You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them. When you venture the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? <clears throat> then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. But look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. But the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So they began to argue among themselves. <laughs> this cracks me up every time. So they began to argue among themselves which of them it could be who was going to do this thing. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles dominate them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are the ones who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So, now, let's go back to the beginning. So, uh, verse 1, the festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was drawing near. A uh, very brief explanation. Passover uh, was a, a one-day a one celebration, and the, uh, the Festival of Unleavened Bread was a week-long feast that, that Jewish people celebrated. Um, and uh, by that point, it, it was kind of, they were kind of just lumped in together, um, so the names are, are sort of interchangeable. But 
that's what they were preparing for was this, this week-long event that they were going to partake in at that time. And <clears throat> so verse 2, the, the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Uh, afraid of the people is, um, and I'm, I'm, is in reference to uh, Matthew 26. I'm going to reference Matthew a lot in this. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 5, we see, not, not during the festival, they said, so there won't be rioting among the people. And that's talking about them trying to figure out when they're going to be able to take him or, or capture him. Um, but Jesus was a pretty popular guy at that time, so they didn't want to cause an uproar publicly when they would go and take him. So that's why they were trying to figure out how we were going to do this. So, of course, all that's happening, and, you know... Satan is watching. And uh, then we see in, in verse 3, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. One of the twelve that's sitting right there with Jesus has been by his side and all that. Um, so I'm going to reference uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. So, Satan is looking for opportunities to, uh, to heavily influence people and um, to, to get them to do things that he thinks will be, will be damaging towards the kingdom of God. And uh, a lot of times it, it happens to people who uh, either, either in front in, in a public setting or, or in their private life are doing shady things and not, not really living godly and, and doing the things that they know they should be doing. Um, and we know that Judas had some things that, that <coughs> go on in his life that were, that was a little shady. And, uh, I think maybe that's, so in other words, he was more open, more susceptible to, to, uh, to this attack from Satan. And, uh, it's also, it's also an interesting picture of, uh, of spiritual warfare and how there's always something going on. There's always spiritual battle going on around us. And uh, that topic alone has been something just in my own personal life. It's been, uh, I've been kind of looking more into that. So it's, it's really interesting how we so easily get caught up in, in worldly ideas and thinking and what's going on in the physical that we lose sight of the spiritual which is really where the real battle is happening um that's kind of a side note but so so satan entered judas and well also another thing on the spiritual battle we'll see uh i was going to cover this before but now i'm not going to it'll be next week um but there's we see another picture of during this time in verse 31 where uh, Satan and, and, uh, and Jesus in the spiritual realm are kind of going back and forth because it, uh, it's another reference to, to uh, uh, Jesus bringing up Satan and how he's trying to do something at that moment. Um, so again, just kind of a picture of stepping back and realizing that there's, there's all, we're, we're here, but there's all of this happening right here that's affecting this that we don't necessarily see right in front of us. Um, <coughs> So, uh, so going on to seven, um, then the day of unleavened bread came 
I'm going to read 7 to 13 again. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he has told them. So this is kind of the, the practical side of, I, I, back to verse 1, this was, this was a, a week-long thing going on that they were about to do, partake in. So uh, the practical side of this is, okay, this needs to be set up. This, there's a lot that's going to go into this that just, you, we need to work on it. So um, a few of them ask and say, Jesus, what do we what do we do for this? Kind of also a side note too of uh, of the fact that the son of the son of God, Jesus, didn't have a uh, didn't have a, a set home that he you know kind of centered everything around, and that's where he where he could just go. He was he didn't he in a sense was kind of homeless. Um, so. Uh, so that also is, is why they're like, all right, where are we going to go? We don't, because, you know, we're following you. We're following a homeless guy. So, you know, what, what, what are we going to do with this? Um, so then it, it's interesting, too, how uh, he says in verse 10, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. One of those quick little simple things. At first, the first few times I read this, I just went right over it. But that right there... Um, is uh, is an act that typically a, it was it was a thing a woman would do was carrying water jugs. It's not something you would see a man do. Um, so by him saying that you're going to see a man carrying this out, it was you know because think about it, when they're walking into the city, it's probably pretty crowded. There's a lot of people there. Well, this would stick out. They'd be immediately able to see this and say, okay, that's the guy I need to go follow and. You know, he's going to bring me to the house and, uh, and we'll continue on with what Jesus said. So they're there setting that up. And, uh, uh, you know, so I think that's, it's just a cool picture again of how um, a lot of times we, or I'll say I, you know, read scripture and you might lose sight of the practicality of some things because you, you're kind of, we, we get caught up sometimes in just reading a story, but there's, there's a setup that has to go into a lot of this. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's like Jesus saying, follow this man. He's going to take you to his home. He's going to talk to the guy, give you a place to stay. That's a miracle because he's already setting up. He knows what's going to happen in the future. Um, so uh, that alone right there is just it's pretty cool. Um, Moving on to uh, 14. <clears throat> 14 to 23. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant, established by my blood. It is shed for you. But look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me, for the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Um, so there's, there's some major things happening here. And uh, so the Passover was in the, the Passover celebration, and then we'll go into the fest, Festival of Unleavened Bread. The Passover was a, uh, was a remembrance time, a celebration time of when the angel of death passed over the houses uh, of the Jewish people in Egypt that put the blood on, on their doorposts. Um, and they were saved. And then the, the unleavened bread was to uh, remember and celebrate the, the exodus from the, the, you know, the Jewish slaves from, um, from Egypt. So uh, up to that point, that's what they were remembering and celebrating. But right here, Jesus is saying in 19, <clears throat> this is my body. So again, the, the things that they were celebrating was uh, their, their, the Messiah hadn't come up to that point. So they, they weren't dealing with um, their Savior at that point. It was, it was always a, an animal sacrifice, animal's blood, and stuff like that. So, uh, so now he's changing it, and he's saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So from here on out... The, this, I don't know who this is going to be about. My body and my blood. And he even says in 20, this is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. Um, all, this didn't, obviously at that moment, it didn't happen yet, but it was just about to in a couple days. So he's saying, again, from here on out, this is, this is what you're to do when you do this. This is what you remember is me. It's not remembering uh, you know, those acts from back then, it's going back and you're going to re remember me from this point out. Um, <clears throat> so 21 and 22, uh, look at the hand of one betraying me is at the table with me. For the son of man will go away as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Again, I, I just think personally uh, a crazy moment of um, he knows he's sitting right there with, with the guy that's, that's uh, going gonna to hand him in and, and betray him and, and but he goes on and, and says uh, I mean he knows this is going to happen but again he's sitting there right next to him and uh, kind of also pretty cool um, back in Psalm a Psalm by David uh, 41.9 says, Even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate, who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. And uh, the psalm was about, uh, was about victory in spite of betrayal. So in a sense that applies to, uh, it does apply to this situation because the victory is now the victory we have in Christ, through Christ doing this, being the Messiah for us, um, and, and believing that, that he's been that, that one sacrifice needed. But at the same time, it came through betrayal. And uh, 22, the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined, as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So these events 
these events have been laid out um, before the foundations of the earth. These are, these are things that, that God has laid out that this is, this is going to happen. I'm, my, my son will be sacrificed, will be the Messiah. And so that's, in this one verse he's saying, this is determined, this is going to happen. But still, it doesn't, it, it doesn't get rid of the responsibility and, and uh, the sin of the man that's going to do it. So it, it, it was, uh, it's this picture of <laughs> the, the thing that, you know, Christians have been trying to figure out ever since Scripture was written of how, you know, sovereignty and free will and all that works out together. I don't really know fully. It's a fun conversation, but uh, no, no person really has a perfect answer on it. But it's, it's in one verse saying, this is going to happen but you're still responsible for a lot of it. So, so you know, woe to you because you're you are still responsible for the sin you're you're partaking in. Um, <clears throat> so obviously, the next verse twenty three, they began to argue among themselves which of them could be uh, it could be who's going to do this thing, and that it makes sense. I think in our human minds, like that's the next step, like because if if all of us you know, we were we were we were that group, and we were told, "Hey, one of us here is the 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 betrayer." You, we would all argue like, "Okay, we need to figure out who it is and, and try to stop him or do something." So that kind of makes sense that that's next. But then, but then twenty four is where you know it makes me laugh. It's they go right from that to then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. So it's like what. <laughs> I like what are, what are you guys talking about here? You, it, I, I just see pictures, you know, Jesus again, like sitting there, like here we go again, you know, because this has happened before, where where they kind of just miss the point completely, and then just go on to the next thing of something that that is honestly just stupid. But uh, they were fallen human beings just like we are, and uh, so <clears throat> I didn't realize I already said all this. Um, so again, in 24, they disputed who was the greatest. And some of that might have came from, they may have had in mind, again, this is speculation, but they may have had in mind still that the Messiah to come was going to be some sort of a political leader uh, or um, maybe even a general of some sort. So they, they were still maybe expecting that that was going to happen with Jesus at some point. So when that does happen, like who's going to be his main guy type thing, that's could have been what they were thinking. Uh, again, it's just speculation, but uh, so go to 25, the Kings of the Gentiles dominate them. And, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. The Gentiles, uh, non-believers, you know, non-Jewish people, um, the kings of the Gentiles, they, 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 most of them would had a tendency to basically, you know, lord their power over over the people that they they had in their land, and they wanted to make known, like, hey, I'm the guy in charge, I'm the I'm the king, I'm the main one, obey everything that I say. So that's what he's kind of getting at when he's saying that the kings of the Gentiles dominate them. Um, and <clears throat> so 
But then he goes and he, and, he, and he kind of flips the script a little bit. He says, but it must not be like that, verse 26, but it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. So he's saying, he uses the examples of the Gentile kings and how they, they try to have this you know, mentality of, uh, uh, or give off this, this mentality of they're, they're super, they're amazing, and um, a lot of them even try to become you know, gods. They make themselves out to be gods in people's eyes and everything. And they're saying, and he's saying, uh, that's that example, but don't do that. That's, that's, you're, you're missing the point if you're thinking that that's what being in charge means. Um, so it goes on and kind of flips the thinking a little bit. And uh, the greatest among you become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. Become like the youngest, uh, I thought was an interesting phrase. And so I looked into it a little bit more. And uh, one a couple of verses that, that came up for that was uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then he called a child to him and had him stand among them. I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like his child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this, <clears throat> like this in my name, welcomes me. Um, a child is very, uh, is very trusting of what they're told um, from, from people who are older than them. And in a, sense, in a sense, we all do that at different levels of our life. Um, you know, when, <laughs> when Andy says something to me, as opposed to when Ron says something to me, Ron's words carry more weight. <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with just his life experience and, um, and wisdom that comes with the experience. Uh, not to say that younger people can't have wisdom and can't know things and, and you can't get great advice and learn godly things from them. And they can't be very godly people. That's, that's not the point. But um, it's, it's that they're, a younger person, a child, is, is a very trusting person. And, uh, and that's what, what Jesus wants them to be. And, uh, and he wants them... Um, again, going to the end of 26, whoever leads like the one serving. So, uh, uh, I'll read 27 too. For who is, who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So it's this picture of, of if you're going to truly be a godly leader, you need, to, you need to be a servant of the people. You need to serve. Um, again, flipping the script on, on what the typical idea of, of a Gentile king was, where, you know, them it was, I'm here, I'm in charge, everybody come and serve me. Instead of, instead of I may be the leader, but what do you guys need? I'm here to serve you as, as the leader. I'm here to serve. And... To be honest, even in my mind a little bit, as, I'm, as I was figuring this out and, and thinking about it, um, and maybe even to some people listening, it, 
it's so it's so opposite of what is is normal nowadays that idea of being a servant leader um, that sometimes it's hard to fully grasp the idea of it and and really what he's getting at and that's why I said like even to me thinking about it and, and getting you know preparing notes on it and getting ready to, to talk about it, it it's uh, uh, it's a constant battle of you know setting yourself up as a leader but also realizing by doing that you need to set yourself up as being wanting and willing to serve the people that you're you're leading <clears throat> um, so verse uh, I did have another note on that um, oh this is kind of just a further exp- explanation on uh yeah, 27, the part uh, so I had, uh, I had looked up Matthew 20 verse 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many so again explaining Jesus came to serve you and uh, and, then, and then I saw a couple notes on uh, you know, the end of verse uh, 28 where it says a ransom for many. Um, the Greek word for ransom, a word I'm not going to try to say, is found here uh, and in Mark 10, 45, and refers to the payment of a price in order to purchase the freedom of a slave. The idea of Jesus as the ransom is that he paid the price with his own life by standing in our place as a substitute, enduring the judgment that we deserve for sin. Um, so... He's uh, uh, referred to the payment of a price in order to purchase the freedom of a slave. We're all slaves to sin until we, until we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, that, and because of what he did for us is, is how we're then free. So I just thought that was a pretty cool um, tie-in right there. Uh, so again, to 28, 28, 29, 30 finish up here. You are the ones who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on, you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. <laughs> there, there's a lot being said here, uh, a lot that I didn't dig into all of the details to, to be able to explain it, because one, because I didn't really think that I would be able to explain it very well, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but simply put, um, their service to him and staying with him through trials, which is in verse 28, uh, is just kind of a reference to them being by his side through, through the tough times that he lived while he was there. Because we, we know from other scriptures that, uh, you know, Jesus was, he, he was always attacked in some way. Or some form from people. He always had the Pharisees and all that always going after him. So, um, so he's referencing, you know, you guys were, were always by my side for that stuff. And just as the Father had given him a kingdom, he will also give them a kingdom. Future events. Uh, this, is, this is something that's going on, going to happen in the future that he's referencing. Again, something that they're not really going to, to understand at that moment. But he's just saying, you know, 
this this is what's going to happen because uh, because you guys have been here with me. You have uh, been by my side. You have been uh, been with me, and you know. So so you will you will get a kingdom, but it's going to happen like this down the road. Um, so that's where my notes ended. I don't even know what time it is. I never looked. Um, any thoughts, comments, anything on on there? One was that he's at the Last Supper and they asked those two questions, you know, who's the betrayer and then who's the greatest among them. And I think it just shows that at the Last Supper with Judas present, Jesus hadn't treated Judas any differently. He greeted him probably yeah. in the same manner that he would have greeted everyone else. And even, you know, Jesus knew all along that Judas would be the betrayer, not just at this moment. But that was just one thing that they had absolutely no clue and how he, so he was loving Judas. I, I would gather he was loving Judas and the other thing uh, had to do with uh, oh my gosh uh, that brings to mind uh, do with, oh the serving this is the last supper and in John we have a record of him when he washed their feet mm -hmm. so that, that's you know, he was demonstrating his service to them yeah. by washing their feet that was it yeah did the lowliest act mm -hmm. yeah it all goes back to Shepherd reference, the pastor reference of you know, the shepherd who puts his life on the line for the flock. You know, um, that total giving of oneself. Or, you know, we see a lot in today's culture where the pastors exalt themselves at the expense of the sheep. Um, but yes, it's John Lamborghinis. John Lamborghinis getting their fifth jet. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, it's just so clear that the opposite. You want to hug your dad now? <laughs> Was there anything online? No. Good. Okay, you've got fun. Um, a couple things. Uh, one, we were saying how uh, being like younger, uh, in that generation, in that time, youngers, they only did was serve. Mm -hmm. They didn't have any right. They weren't leaders. They weren't directors. Uh, you can go back to starting from David. Uh, when Samuel came to anoint the next king in the family, where was David? Not the wrestling. He was out yeah. the field. Well, he was younger, and he just served. And that's the attitude they <coughs> have as well. Is, you know, it's not a position thing to hear to serve. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you said is, you know, how Christ didn't have a home. Is that our example? Because, you know, we're just passing through. Yeah. Establishing kingdom here, it's just passing through, it's here to do a job, and it goes to the kingdom. That's what we have. We're here to do a job, and it goes to the kingdom. Mm. Yeah. Well, the two thoughts I have were one, in Philippians, two, we talk about Christ coming down so the kingdom humbly. We don't, you know, I mean, everything here, but the serving of him, that's done with humility, which was an unknown power source back then, it is now. Yeah. But without that humility, we'll never really understand who Christ is, what he's about, what we should be about. The other thing, in the last verse, verse 30, which reference back to I think, Matthew, when, I will paraphrase it, when uh, Peter said, what's in it for me? I left my family, I left my home. Mm -hmm. Christ promised him, in heaven, we'll be sitting on his 12 thrones. So, you know, you guys will sit on That's what's in it for you. And to me, it's almost like your reward is in heaven. Mm -hmm. 
It's not here. If you think you reward here, let's talk about what he said your rewards here. If you're looking for approval of men and you got it, you got your reward. Yeah. But if you're humble and you're serving me, your reward's in heaven. There's so many times we look for it right now. I want what's in mind right now. What's in it for me? I know I've had that problem in the past. What's in it for me? I've done all these things for you, so to speak, and in your own mind you're thinking that, you know. What's in it for me? And Christ tells them, your reward's gonna be in the future. Don't worry about it, I got you covered. You know, and the same thing with us. I got you covered. Your reward's coming. You know, it's not what you might think it might be, but it's coming. And then one thing you talk about like kids and the and they can be more um, they teach us more sometimes than like leaders and mm-hmm. I just think that as I agree with that, I do. But I think the difference for me is like sometimes leaders like they gotta like tell you and do this. The kids, they you just do it, you gotta watch them observe them and they ask questions. It's more about like they just be an example instead of like do I say what they do. Or no, you never stop. I got Check out TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. If you love this show enough to actually support it financially, well, we have a page where you guys can do that for us. That's at Patreon.com slash TrueStrengthLife. Again, that's patreon.com slash true strength life where you can become a patron to the true strength life podcast. See our goals we have on there that we want to reach for for creating better content for you guys. We greatly appreciate you. God bless.